What's a Sign of a Healthy Church? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. Service is the highest form of worship. God has not saved you or myself just to receive blessings from God. He's called us to serve Him. The greatest failure in the church today is service. The church is much like a football team in a football game. There's a small number of guys down there that need desperate rest and a great number of people in the stands that need desperate exercise. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Family, work, school, sports, hobbies, television. Life is full of things to do, but are we doing what's important to God? Today we're beginning our final message in our study series in the book of Joshua. And Pastor Xavier is here to help redirect our focus to that which really matters. Let's join him now for the text of this important message. Joshua 24, verses 14 through 31. And the message is entitled, Joshua, Faithful Until the End. The book of Joshua, as you know, began with the words of God to Joshua, commissioning him to be the leader after the death of Moses. And what a fitting thing here at the end of the book, many years afterwards, that God is still the one in control directing the nation. Evident of a true servant. Here's the test of a servant. Ready? Time. <laughs> Time. What will you do with the power God gives you? What will you do with the influence? With the resources? What will you, will you do with it? Will you use them to serve God and His people? Or will you use them for yourself? Very important. The opening verse of the chapter tells us the assembly of all Israel gathered together at the hand of Joshua here at Shechem. Uh, Shechem was a very key thing in history. It was a center of the land where they had come and they erected the altar. They proclaimed the blessings, the cursing, as you know, in chapter 8, according to Deuteronomy. The word was to be the one that would be paramount for their standard. It was the one responsible for the promises. It was God's word to them. Shechem was uh, the first place that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12, 6 through 7, that he would give him the land. At Shechem... Jacob had built an altar and asked the people of God to put away their idols again. We're going to see this again here. And that you find in Genesis 33, 20 and 35, 1 through 4. So Shechem had a long history. It's fitting that it's here at Shechem that they meet. It was one of the refuge cities too in the country of Ephraim. The elders, the heads, the judges, the officers, all are presenting themselves before God. The reference there in verse 1 before God could refer to the tabernacle and probably is. And if so, then as you know, it's portable and they transport it from Shiloh to Shechem now. Because this is a solemn occasion. It is the last meeting. It is the farewell speech of Joshua. And though Joshua is the one that's gathering them, don't be fooled by it. Because it says that they presented themselves before God. So in other words, this gathering was ordered by God through the hand of Joshua. This is God's meeting. And from there, then God proceeds from verse 3 all the way to 13 to review their history. Chapter 23, Joshua called them to give witness of his life and God's faithfulness. Now here in chapter 24, the first half, God gives the witness of his faithfulness by reviewing their history. 
And so in view of this, then Joshua from verse 14 on down, particularly what we're going to cover 14 through 31, he proceeds to renew the covenant with the people of God. And it consists of three movements laid out for us that really every person goes through when they make a commitment to God. Let me read here for us, verse 14 on down. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves as they whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served and were on the other side of the river, and the gods of the Amorites and those who land which you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself, that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve, and His voice we will obey. And so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it upon there under the oak that was under the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. And so Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. And now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him with the, in the border of his inheritance at Timnasserah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim in the north side of Mount Geash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. The renewal of the covenant initiated by Joshua here consists of three movements. First, the people's free will to choose to enter the covenant in verse 14 and 15. Then secondly, the people's free will in commitment to enter the covenant in verses 16 through 24. And then he finishes off with the people's free will that was honored as a legitimate covenant in verse 25 through 31. These three steps everybody goes through. As God calls upon their life to choose who they're going to serve. Notice here the people's free will to choose to enter the covenant in verse 14 and 15. In verse 14, Joshua pleads with the people to repent. 
This repentance was in view of their history by the word therefore. It looks back to everything that proceeds from verse 3 on down to 13. God had taken Abraham, a pagan, and made him his heir. God had delivered them from Egypt through Moses. God had kept his promise and brought them into the land by Joshua. There's the conclusion. They needed to repent in view of their history, of the privilege they had. This repentance was in view of their past commitment. For he says, to fear God, to serve Him, and to do both in sincerity and truth, making it genuine. What's happened today is many people have lost the fear of God. And when you've lost the fear of God, you've become self-deceived. The person that doesn't fear God is a fool. And by the way, service is the highest form of worship. God has not saved you or myself just to receive blessings from God. He's called us to serve Him. The greatest failure in the church today is service. The church is much like a football team in a football game. There's a small number of guys down there that need desperate rest and a great number of people in the stands that need desperate exercise. Sincerity means a complete heart. Motivated by love for God, not compulsion. That makes it unhypocritical. My motive is love. A husband can say all he wants about his wife. Oh, I love my wife. I love her. And she said, can you mow the lawn? Oh, honey, I can't right now. I got to do this. Well, can you fix the drippy fire? Oh, honey. You know, well, how do you know the love? Because you serve her. You don't serve your wife. You don't love her. You love you. When you love someone, you serve them. And when they realize the service you do out of sacrifice, oh, thank you, hey, don't worry about it. You don't even consider it a sacrifice. Why? Because you love them. Truth means firmness, reliability. Referring to God's word, revelation, because it's his word that tells us how to serve him and why we should serve him. I can't just serve him the way I want to. Well, I'm sincere in what I do, but you can be sincere thinking you're going to LAX and end up in Long Beach. Being sincere doesn't get you the LAX, you know what I mean? Your sincerity can only be affirmed as true by the revelation of God. That's biblical faith. Everything else is foolishness. It starts with the same letter. But it's foolishness. Notice this repentance was in view of their idolatry. It's very specific. This was a sharp reality to their unfaithfulness to the covenant. They were to put away their gods that had made, they had made a choice to be disloyal to Yahweh. Now, they had been delivered. Oh, we love God. Oh, He's going to deliver us. Let's go. Across the Red Sea, across the wilderness, into the land. Great. And all this time, they're worshiping idols. The scriptures are full of the testimony of the wilderness idolatry. You see, a lot of people want, oh, yeah, Jesus saved me. Others, and that. And, but, but, but they've got all kinds of idols. They were the gods of their fathers. They served on the other side, the Euphrates River, Egypt. They had an idolatrous past. You say, oh, Pastor X, I don't have no idols, I don't have no statues. Well, let's look at your life. An idol can be your wife in the past, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your account of money, your child, your career. I'll give you a better one. You. Your idol can be in the parking lot and it's taking two spots because you don't want somebody to ding it. Hmm. They had gone back and worshipped the moon god and others of the Euphrates. 
the bull, the calf worship of Egypt, as you know, at the foot of Mount Sinai, is the worst, where Aaron shaped it with a two with his own hands. And then he had the nerve to say, man, I just threw those earrings and, and necklaces in there, and poof, this calf jumped out of the fire. Liar. Who was he? The high priest. They were not to continue in their old ways. Nor are you or I. Notice their repentance was in view of serving the Lord. In verse 14, 14 times the word serve appears in the book of Joshua. Once in chapter 22, once in chapter 23, listen, 12 times in chapter 24. You know what this book closes with? It closes with service to God. The whole relationship with God is service. If you're not serving God, then everything else you say is vain. It doesn't mean anything. The evidence that you love the Lord and that God has changed your life is you're serving Him. Bottom line. The way you're to end your life is serving. Not sitting. Look at verse 15. Joshua points out their choice. The urgency is in view of sin and fellowship with Yahweh. It involves reflection and examination. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, what an incredible statement. <laughs> you talk about God doesn't compel us to do anything. Hey, if it seems evil to you, don't serve Him. Don't sweat. And there's a lot of people like, you know, I, you know, I served the Lord and as soon as I died, I lost my wife, I lost my job, I did everything. You know, what God ever do for you? Well, I don't know, but maybe you can talk to Him when you see Him. Interesting. It involves individual and personal choice. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Your wife can't make that choice. Your husband can't make that choice. Your friends, your children, nobody can make it. Only you. The utmost comparison is in view of reality and eternity. Listen, the gods of their fathers were physical figures. They had no life, nor could they give life. They were dead. The gods of your fathers served on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you dwell. They were insensate. They had eyes they couldn't see. They had hands they couldn't handle. They had feet they couldn't walk. And Psalm 115 says that those who worship them become just like their God. So people worship, and an idol can be, like I told you, anything. The person next to you, your child that's in the nursery, your car, or whatever. And they become spiritually blind, deaf, dumb, cripple. You must worship the living God. So you can see the things of God, hear the things of God, walk in the things of God. The God of the covenant was living. Able to impart life. Therefore, Joshua says, listen to these words. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's the key verse to the entire book of Joshua. There are many key verses. This is the key verse. The choice of Joshua was already made. It remained the same. It had never changed. The decision was uncompromising. And listen, public. Your spiritual decision is not a private matter. Your spiritual decision is a public matter. It should be seen by the world. Notice it includes his household. Not because he forced them to, but because they chose to. We'll get into this matter. Some people want to claim that if God saves them, God promises to save all their family. I don't think that's biblical, and I'll show that to you. 
If anybody's ever saved, it's because they chose individually to be saved. Wish to God, God would save in family packages. We wouldn't have to worry about it, but he doesn't. 600 years later, Elijah gave the same choice to the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, 21. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Every person who was ever born to this world will have that choice, whether to serve God or serve different gods. They can't blame anybody. The New Testament covenant is entered into by repentance also in faith, even as they did here in the old. And as you know, the word repentance, metanoia, means a change of mind, to turn around with a change of heart that brings a change of life. I see myself as having committed sin and sins against God. That's who primarily sin is against, God first. And then with man and against man. But David said, against you and only you have I sinned. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, kill Uriah. He says, God, it's against you, then against them and with them. That's good perspective. That's a biblical perspective. It's to understand that sin separates me from God. And that one day I will have to give an account for everything I've ever done and said. Pretty heavy. It is not merely feeling bad about what I've done. It is not merely regretting. Because many times these manifestations are not sincere repentance or godly repentance. They're only a mere manifestation of hating that you got busted. Or that now you have the consequences. Case in point, a young lady is promiscuous, she gets pregnant. Boy, she is broken hearted. She is grieved. But she's grieved because now she, her lifestyle is interrupted. She's got a child to take care of. She's not grieved that it's sin against God and her body that she's fornicating. But simply that now she's got a child in tow. So most likely today she'll terminate it. That's the repentance of the world that brings forth death, as Paul says. That's not godly repentance. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death, 2 Corinthians 7.10. We don't regret that we repented. I'm glad I repented. (laughs) The world regrets the consequences, getting busted. They don't see sin against God. Now, some people have turned away from Jesus and gone back and served the gods of their past. Having lost the fear of God, which really is the um, beginning of wisdom and the basic foundation of understanding, according to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, and chapter 9, verse 10. Others, by still going through the motions, they're deceiving themselves, they're hypocrites, because though they're in church, their heart's somewhere else. Though they're in church, they live differently from Monday to Friday or Saturday. It's a whole different thing. Now, I hope you don't think I'm talking about perfection. But I'm talking about a lifestyle. And a consistency. Nobody's perfect. I certainly am not. But I can hit that stinking mark. You know what I mean? And when I miss, it's because I'm not perfect. And there's a difference when you're not even aiming at the mark. And you're just shooting everywhere else. 
Serving other gods takes one from freedom to bondage. Be it drinking, drugs, pornography, materialism, self-righteousness, you fill in the gap. It's bondage. Jesus sets you free. Anything else you go back to, you're going to be in worse bondage than you ever were before. Guaranteed. While they promise themselves promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Second Peter 2.19 Every person must make a confession of his or her allegiance to God. It's not a matter of personal privacy. It's of public evidence. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 10.32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Take it straight. That's what God means. Don't mess with it. Now, usually this is given to an altar call of people who are being saved. And we say, if you come up in an altar call as a public confession, there you're doing it. Well, that doesn't mean anything. It can mean, and hopefully it does, but this is to be your confession through your life every day. By the way you live. By the, what you say. Not just an altar call. Altar call means absolutely nothing. If you do not live out what you have committed yourself to. Philippian jailer said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And he said to them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Acts 16, 30 and 31. There it is again, household. Many tries, I said, to claim a household salvation. Both from Joshua, here, and many other passages. But, let me say this. When it speaks about they and their household, it's always by individual choice. Because you come by grace through faith, not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Individually. No way else can a person be saved. You cannot believe for your daughter or your son, or your wife or your husband. We believe that God can save our entire family if our entire family chooses to repent and turn to the Lord. But He does not compel anybody. Free will is involved in this whole first movement. Let me say this. Tragically, some of our family members and friends will not be in heaven because they have chosen not to choose or to walk away. That's horrible. But it's their choice. Hopefully we as parents can have some influence on them. To our prayers. And if my children would go to hell. My responsibility is they do so. With me praying for them all the way. And confronting them. And being an example to them. Because I believe God can save them. And that the prayers of a righteous man avail as much. But I don't think that overrides personal will. That's God's department. My failure is not to believe God. My fear is that I know man. <laughs> this reveals the people's free will to choose to enter the covenant. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, Paul says. Today is the day to be saved, not tomorrow. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, closing our time together with an appropriate invitation for those who are without Christ to make a decision today. Now, you can hear this message again anytime online by browsing for today's date when you click on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. You can also request your own copy of today's revealing study from the book of Joshua as well. It's titled, Joshua, Faithful Until the End. And as always, it's available on CD for just $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the title, Joshua, Faithful Until the End. Or simply mention today's date with your request. And here's where to write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. So what does it take to remain faithful to the Lord? Well, that's what we'll be discussing next time when you tune into Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 